Hello, this is Gideon Rothstein, and this is Perak Lamed, chapter 30 of the book of Mishlei. It's a long chapter, and we're going to do it with the Rebbe, who has a lot to say. However, it all really centers around one central issue, or almost all of it centers around one central issue, and therefore may go much, much quicker than we would ordinarily expect. And that central issue is the Rebbe's concern that people who are interested in wisdom walk the balance, walk the line, or find the balance between not investigating those areas that are inaccessible to the human intellect, because that has dangers to it, but on the other hand, not neglecting to investigate all those areas that are accessible to the human intellect. So that is a picture that we will see him paint over and over again in this parak. So first he starts with We saw in the, the couple of chapters ago, that the Vilna Gaon had said that he thought that parts of Mishnah were written by other people and they were gathered together just like in Tehillim as well. on this passage, which literally means the words of Agur, the son of Yakeh, Iman, a man of Masa, perhaps the speech of the men, Titil, Titil, and Ukal. So the Rabbag reads it the way the JPS did, that it's written by a guy named Agur. Um, no, I'm sorry, the other way around. That it's written by Shlomo Malach, who calls himself Agur, which means to gather together, Le'agur, just like he wrote Kohelet, which in Kohelet is also like from a kihila, from a gathering. And he calls himself Ben Yakeh, because he's talking about Asher Yaki, that he sort of has to spit out or or spew out um, some of these ideas, because he is a gourmet amachshavot, and these big topics, Jushim Hagdolim, important topics, and he wants to get rid of all of the excess baggage that's in him from the thoughts that are wrong, so that he can only leave within him those that are right and true. And he also... And then the end of the Pasuk means that he's also already shared these things with these two friends, Itiel and Uchal. The point being, I think they're not just random thoughts that he's had, but he's actually uh, told them to other people before and tested them out, and now he's going to share them with us. Pasuk bed ki because I am brutish, less than a man, I lack common sense. Robak says, because I'm this Ba'ar, I don't have the full sense of a person. I can't get into these very deep Discussions deep drushim, drushim ha'amukim. So that's the the lead in. The lead in is that Agor is a person who has come to realize that he's not able to go into the drushim ha'amukim. And now, velo lamadati chachma, vedakidoshim chachma, and I have not learned, eda. I have not learned wisdom, nor do I possess knowledge of the Holy One. That kidoshim, meaning Hashem. So that leads the Rabbah to be able to say, that I recognize that I don't have the ability to know now, not only to know when it says Kiddoshim, JPS took it as the Holy One, like Hashem, but the Rabbi thinks Kiddoshim here means the Geramim Hashem which was a medieval topic and issue and concern of all of the things in the heavens, the host of heavens that have an effect on the earth, such that, for example, the sun clearly affects the seasons, and the moon as well he's aware of. We say the moon affects tides and things like that. So Rabbi says, I don't have any understanding of how these things work and how they have a connection to to what's going on here, and they have an effect on what's going on here. So I know that it happens, but I have no way of understanding it, which is, in our times, we'll say, because we live in a post-Newtonian world, we'll say, well, gravity and the pull and the impact and this and that, but they didn't have any idea what these forces are. They knew there was an impact. They could see it. But they didn't know what it was. So Pasuk Dalit for the Rabbag is going to say something along those lines as well. Who is it who got all of these pieces of knowledge? And did heaven come down, gathered up the wind in the hollow of his hand, wrapped the waters in his garment, established all the extremities of the earth, 
what is his name or his son's name if you know it. So the Rabbi is going to say that all of this is a listing of important concerns and issues in the topic of, we might call it cosmology, figuring out how the universe works in terms of its impact on the earth that we don't know. So one is, the first one is, how there can be any relationship between the heavens and the earth. In their days, they thought of the heavens being these perfect bodies, and therefore they didn't think they operated by the same rules of physics, and therefore they didn't understand, the rabbi didn't understand, how it could be that it would have some impact on us, because there has to be some kind of relationship. If one thing is going to affect the other or influence the other, there has to be some kind of relationship. Also, um, it should be that they have similar beginnings. There's all sorts of medieval things that they had to struggle with because they couldn't because they didn't know basic what we consider now basic scientific issues and these were concerns and that's what the whole idea of Mialashamaim Vayerad uh meant. Um another one is Mitsaramaim Basimla. is how can you gather wind in your your hands is how can one thing which isn't divided up be influenced by many other things and then Mitzvah is about uh, the rakia how can the rakia have water in it that doesn't that stays there and that has held it up in there and the Maim and then Mihekim Kolav And then he says that in Muhammad Hashem, his work of uh, philosophy, which in those days included things like cosmology, when he explained all these things, and he also wrote a commentary, he says in a book called Shamayim V'ha'ulam, Heavens and Earth, that you can't have the stars be doing all these things. And therefore, he says, He says, the only way you have access to knowledge about these topics will be if you study the Torah and you see what the Torah has said about it. And that's why what Mashmo Mashem means. Then, God created a man, the general thing with the active intellect, and the active intellect used things, he, he created the active intellect with something called the Zer'eha It all gets into the medieval issues that he has with how creation works and how the universe works, which we today would probably assume we can largely understand, not totally, but many, many ways understand by virtue of modern science. He didn't have it in those days, and he thought that's what Agur ben Yaker, what Shlomo HaMelech, was trying to understand in these situations. Pasuk hey, Kolimat aloka tzirufa magenhu lachosimbo. Everything that Hashem says, every word of God is pure, a shield to those who take Refuge in him. The Rabag says it's trufa, meaning it doesn't have any any imperfections. And so if you go in its uh, steps, if you follow in its ways, it'll guard you from making any kinds of mistakes and will distance you from mistakes and bring you to true understanding, meaning that the way to figure out what you can study and what you cannot study is by seeing what's within Torah and what God has spoken about. That's an attitude and a perception that I find extremely lacking today. Even if we grant that science has discovered many, many things that the medievals didn't know, and therefore we have advanced our knowledge considerably and remarkably, the idea that there are limits into what our knowledge would be, and the idea that we need to try to follow, in when it comes to certain areas of life, that we're going to have to follow God's guidance and trying to figure out those things and trying to know what we can know about them, that's something that's completely lacking. There are many, many people today who would say, no, it's all amenable, it's all open 
to human understanding. Pasuk Vav al Tosif al Devarav pen Yochir pecha v'nichzavta. Don't add to what Hashem has said, but rather yidbonin b'hem be'ofen shloitz darich Tosefet bidvarim. You should look at them and study them and try to get insight into them in such a way that you won't need to add to them at all. And if you don't, pen Yochir pecha Hashem will come and get other people against you for doing this because you're gonna you're gonna do bad and wrong. You're gonna lose based on trying to discover too much and trying to go too far, and it will lead you, as we'll see in later Pesachim, it will lead you perhaps even to heresy, to kfira. So Pesach Zayin, Shtayim Sha'alti Me'itach, Altim Namimeni B'terem Amut. The Ralbag understand this. It's two things I've asked for you from you. Please don't deny them to me before I die. So Shtayim Sha'alti Medaber El Hashem. It's now making a prayer to Hashem. Two things that he wants to ask for before he dies, because once he dies, the Ralbag says, then there's no way you can acquire greater perfection. So that's something important about death that I think is generally understood and generally accepted, but that the thing that the reason that Judaism abhors death and is afraid of death and doesn't like death and all the ways that people talk about, the thing we most hate about death is that it means that we're no longer able to grow in our perfection and our service of God. And that's the element of death that is most, bother, most bothersome to us, and that's why here, Shlomo Amalek is praying for what? So, Pasachet, Shav v'udavar kazav harcheik meni, reish v'osher al titeni, hachifeni lechem chuki. The JPS has it as, keep lies and false words far from me, give me neither poverty nor riches, but provide me with my daily bread. So that sounds like, and that reading of it, like as opposed to wealth in the monetary sense, of wealth, but then it doesn't explain why Shavu Devar Kazav many at the beginning. So the Ral Bag at least reads the whole thing as being about intellectual endeavors, and he says Shavu Devar Kazav that I shouldn't get mixed up when I'm studying and thinking, and that I shouldn't get caught up in thinking about things that are meaningless or wrong. So he says in Shavu thinks is Sheker, things that are false, and Devar Kazav are things that are Hevel that are just have no value to them. They might not be false, but they have no value. There's the, you know, think about all the different ways in which the entertainment industry affects the culture or things that are just not of any lasting importance value. Interesting, the Ralbag then says, oh, hefech there. He thought Shav was lies and Devar Kazav is Hevel, but it could be the reverse. So he's not so uh, caught up in what the particular words mean, but these are the two areas that you want to make sure you don't get too caught up in thinking about. And then the second request is that you don't give me uh, too much poverty of intellect so that I'll be able to study and learn and understand and grow, but also not too much wealth. And then too much wealth, he says, to turn to areas where a person can't really come to a good understanding of them. I and if you give me too much wealth, then, then I'll be free to turn to those things. The right amount of food for my intellect, not too much and not too little, and that's really a very great request. It doesn't generally happen to a person who gets to walk that line so perfectly, um, but all the people who are ayinim, who are aware and alert to the need to study and to think, they should be striving for that exact boundary line, to study and investigate and analyze all that which they can, and they can come to meaningful understandings of, and to leave aside that which they cannot. The rumors are, I'm not one to know, but the rumors are that Einstein spent many, many of his later years trying for something that was simply, it's still beyond, but certainly in his time, was simply beyond his capabilities, and therefore neglected or lost out on producing perhaps much more than he could have over the course of his lifetime. Of course, he produced in his younger years more than enough for one person's life, but that we'll never know what he could have produced had he continued in productive work rather than getting caught up in thinking he could 
conquer the whole of a unified field theory, whatever it was he was he was striving for. So penesba means I'll get too sated. So what's too sated for the real bag? It means that I'll get too smart for myself. I'll think that I can understand things that I really can't. And I'll say, what's so great about Hashem? And that'll lead to kfira, to denying that Hashem is great because I'll think, well, I understand the world, I understand the universe, I understand morality. I understand whatever it may be better than Hashem or just as good as Hashem, so why should I bother worrying about Hashem? That's one side, one danger. Or maybe I'll become impoverished. I won't study with that which I could. And that'll be a siba, that'll be a reason that I won't recognize the existence of God because I won't even get into that. I'll just take the world that it is and I won't uh, and I won't think even that much and that's even worse. Then I'll become an epicurus and that's even worse, the Rebbe says. So you've got two dangers. You have the danger of not thinking enough and the danger of thinking too much and both are dangerous but certainly the danger, but he's saying the danger of not thinking enough is a little more problematic because it'll lead to denying the existence of God or not living a life with the existence of God whereas the other danger is also extremely important and that's the danger of thinking of yourself as being too intelligent and you, that arrogance will lead you to deny or to rely too much on your own intellect rather than just relying on what the Torah tells you to do. Uh, that's somewhat similar to what we've seen in the Vilna Gaon who speaks about Tamimut, who speaks about just accepting what Hashem says rather than thinking you can figure it out on your own. So the literal meaning is do not inform on a slave to his master lest he curse you and you incur guilt. Ralbag will once again read this in terms of the study of Torah, and he says when you're studying Torah that you shouldn't be, you shouldn't sin in your study, and you shouldn't think that you can figure things out completely on your own and try to w- sort of warp Torah or fit Torah into your perspectives that you've come up with on your own. It's as if you're you're reporting back to Hashem that the Eved, the slave, meaning Torah, is not doing the right thing, and the master then might curse you because you are uh, dealing lightly and wrongly with his Torah. Because if you give the proper cover to Torah, you would go in depth to try to understand them in the proper way, and here you're just picking up what you want out of Torah, and you're just understanding the way you want to understand them, and that's a problem. So that is a warning, I think a warning that's still relevant today to many, many people, that when we study Torah, we have to try to figure out what the Torah wants to say, rather than what we want it to say. Uh, just, yeah. And that there are many times when people say things that are true in Torah and people will say, well, that might be true, but that's not the way I want to, I want to live. That's the way I want to do it. I just, this weekend, I was talking to a woman who was talking about her daughter and whatever she was worried about, where her daughter's going to go to Israel. And she said, you know, because we're right wing and we want to be right wing. I didn't ask what the terms meant. That we didn't, I won't say the institution they were talking about, but it wasn't that she suspected that some of the institutions her daughter was thinking about were not Torah institutions and we're not going to teach the truth of Torah. They just weren't right wing. So that's an element, uh, there are many other examples that I could give, that's one that popped into my mind, but that's an element where we have to think about whether we're using our intellects to say what we're willing to accept from Torah, or whether we're studying Torah to understand what Torah is saying to us, and to accept its messages, and that's the danger I think that the Rabbag is laying out here. The Rabbag doesn't say anything, this would be continuing the idea that presumably a breed... Uh, there is a breed of men, the JPS has, that brings a curse on its fathers, brings a blessing to its mothers. I presume, I assume the Malabag in the same light would say that in using our intellects too haughtily, too arrogantly, we would bring shame into our families and shame in our relationship with Torah. A generation 
that in its own eyes is pure, and it doesn't it haven't even gotten rid of its tzelah of the dirt around it, meaning the image would be, let's say, of a child who has not yet been toilet trained, and therefore has always, especially in those days, was walking around with leftover uh, manure on him from times that he went to the bathroom, leftover feces, and yet thinks of itself as being pure and clean and wonderful. So what would that have to do with Rabak? So Rabak says, if you go into a Yune Shav, you think the false things or the silly things, you think that you're all so bright, you're, you're spending your time and you're thinking and you're publishing and you're deep and you have footnotes and you know and you this and all the, the sophistication, and yet you don't have, you haven't lost the Shav, you haven't lost the falsehood. Uh, that's in your soul, and which is like tzawah to the guf, mean to the body. So that comparison for the Rabbah is he's saying it's an actual comparison, that the same way that when you have feces that's excess food, and you have it on your body, it's dirty and it's disgusting, so too, when you have things that aren't the essential truth in your soul, the soul gets fed by proper knowledge, takes the truth, and throws away the false. So that false is like leftover, like feces. And therefore, if you have that in your view of the world and in your understanding of the world, and you think of yourself as being so bright and sophisticated and intelligent, it's very similar to somebody who would think of themselves as clean and pure, who actually has leftover feces on their person. A generation that its eyes are so haughtily lifted and they lift up their eyelashes. Which is the Rabbag says as opposed to what a Baishan is supposed to do. A Baishan, it's a very bad characteristic, he says, because, and it brings you to great sins, especially intellectually. Because if you think of yourself as being too great, then you're not open to new ideas, you're not open to understanding where you've gone wrong, you're not open to realizing errors you've made, so that the way that a Torah person approaches things and understands things, that he knows that he've learned what he or she has learned so far, but always approach with the humility of knowing the possibility that there are other things out there to learn that they have not yet come to understand. Pasigudaladur, a breed or a generation or whose teeth are swords, whose jaws are knives, ready to devour the poor of the land, the needy among men. So the Rabbag says that it's somebody who steals the name of God, meaning they, they whatever their ideas are, they try to claim that they're doing it in the name of God. So they're like a generation where their teeth are like swords that eat up the poor. Because these people will destroy the intellectual, the intellectual, uh, atmosphere. Meaning if you hear a very bright person talking about, we now know. That's one of my favorite phrases in this kind of context. We now know, we now understand. And then they'll tell you that what Torah said really meant this, really meant that, or God really meant this, or God really meant that. So, Unless you're extremely sophisticated, and the Rabbah does throw in that real Chachamim will not be taken in by these people. But unless you're really at a level of sophistication where you can say to yourself, I've studied also and I understand the errors that they're making, and I really can go against the, the flow of the entire intellectual sophisticated world, unless you can do that, you'll get caught up in that. You'll assume that of course that's true, of course that's right. So that's a significant problem. And though this door, really much like a person who goes out to trap the poor, these people will trap the poor of intellect, those who are not intellectually independent enough to realize their errors, and they'll get them to think that, of course, this is right, when it might be blatantly wrong. And that and, and clear study of it would be that way. I've come across certainly situations like this myself. Uh, I, I don't know if I can get so personal, but I, one example, well, I won't get personal because people might disagree with me, but there have been several occasions in which people make claims in the name of Torah, and 
as far as I've ever been able to tell, there was no argument even for their side, and they were just misleading things. So that's what I think the Rabbah is pointing out, that in areas of Iyun, of study and thought and analysis, you can have very bright people who will be very rely, very ready to rely on their perspective, will come up with the wrong truth, and then will lead other people to follow them because, after all, they are the bright, intelligent people. They are the academics, they are the professors, they are the ones who seem to know. This is a hard pasuk, which the JPS says it as, the leech has two daughters, give and give, three things are insatiable, four never say enough. And then the next pasuk we're going to tell us the three that are insatiable and the four that never say enough. So, uh, so what are the three and the four? So let's read on a little bit. So Sheol Um Sheol the Ralbag says is he li harishon the original matter, and the original matter we've seen this in the Ralbag earlier in an earlier chapter the original matter is just infinitely pliable and wants to take new shapes and wants to always be turning and developing and growing so it never it always says have ham that's what positive it always says give and give it always wants more it's looking to swallow more it's never stated from its task or from its function of changing and turning to other things. And so too with Herayon. So too, so there was Sheol, which is pregnancy, because the womb, until women get to be an age where they can't have any more babies, there's no end to their desire, to their ability to have babies. And it's uh, just looking for more pregnancy. And so too, the land never gets tired of water. Now you can't oversatiate uh, a piece of land with water, but the Ralbag doesn't read it that way. He reads it as, let's say the water, got, the land got fully watered today, the next day, or the next week, or soon enough, it will need water again. So, or he says, or another possibility is that uh, women will always have water in their wombs and always ready. Or the land will always have water in its room. And the fourth is, he says, this is the one that's most similar to what we're talking about. Here is Ish Lo Amra Hon is a man. Sheol. I'm sorry, Ish. I apologize. I don't know what I was reading. Is Ish, the Ish lo amrahon, and a fire that says uh, that never says enough. Meaning that a fire will just burn as long as it has fuel, as long as it has something to burn, it'll continue burning. And so too, and that that one, the Rambam says, is the closest to what we're talking about here. When we're talking about wrong ideas and wrong thoughts, they never stop destroying. It's not, they never give up. As long as there's more people who can be led astray by the various ideas, then we'll look for more people to lead astray by its ideas. So that is the three that have Lotizbana and the fourth, Lo Amruhon, never says enough. And that's the fire, and that's the closest example the Rabbi is saying to what we're looking for here. Then Pasuk Yudzayin, Ayin Til Aglaav, Vitavuz Li. Right. So the JPS says it is the eye that mocks a father and disdains the homage to a mother. The ravens of the brook will gouge it out. And young eagles will and the young, it shouldn't be eagles, it should probably be griffin vultures, will eat it. So what does it have to do with our thing? So the Relbex is going back to another example on Hato'eb Kavanot Torah, somebody who makes mistakes about what the Torah really thinks. And what it's saying is, Ayin Halev, 
the eye of this person, the inner eye of this person, is mocking the Father, which is Torah, because it's not looking properly and carefully into Torah as is appropriate and as should be done until this will be a reason that he'll make a mistake about the the, the intention of Torah and that will eventually lead to uh, that his eyes will be taken out that they will suddenly this person will suddenly be uh, have destruction come to him so that's what the Pesach is trying to say it's trying to say if you don't have to use your eyes properly so this is a big challenge because there are many many people and obviously I am not ob- objective about this at all, but there are many, many people who spend their lives studying Torah and think that they are deeply involved in Torah and think that they're achieving the truths of Torah, but I would think that they're not. And somebody else might think that, I would th- that I'm not. And so the challenge is to make sure that you find a way to be sure, and this is what I think Rabbi is reminding us, that we need to be careful about trying to be sure about ourselves and checking ourselves that we are in fact finding truth within Torah and not just imposing upon Torah our own perspectives. And that truth is not so simple to find. It's a fine line and it depends what you do look into, what you don't look into, and which sources you use, and how you approach those sources will all be issues within the study of Torah. There are three things that I don't understand. They're too wondrous for me. And four and four that I didn't know. So and then the next him are those four things. So let's just read those together. The way of the Nesha, the griffin vulture in the heavens, the way of the Nachash of the snake on a rock, the way of a ship in the hearts of the sea, and the way of a Gever Be'alma, of a boy, of a man, with a young woman. So the Ralbag says, so first, Derech HaNesher, this I actually saw a presentation recently by Rabbi Nathan Slifkin, known as the Zoo Rabbi. I think his website is zoorabbi.com. points out that the griffin vulture tends to glide much more than other birds. It, it flies at very high flight so that it, it's flying. It really leaves less of an impression than others. It might be that that's what it means. Then anachash, when, when it slithers over, when it slithers over the rocks, you can't tell, but its point is to destroy. And then the, the ship, when it's going in the sea and then it sinks, you can't see it. It's, Impression is completely gone, and so too the fourth one being that when a young, when a man defiles a woman, so they have inappropriate relations. So if you look at her afterwards, you can't tell that there's anything different about her. But she in fact has been in some way uh, her status is worse, and her her metaphysically she isn't what she once was. Um, if she was, for example, if she was married, then you can't tell you don't you don't see it. But he has destroyed, he has hurt her, he has lowered her value in some sense in the world. So much so, the Rabbag says, that she will end up being less valued in his own eyes as well. Even though he committed the sin with her, Rabbi Salavichik and Alachuva has a beautiful passage about this whole idea that sometimes we sin with somebody and then or with something, and then the vehicle of sin becomes so distasteful to us we can't even look at it. So too the Rabbag says that somebody who looks into Torah in a wrongful kind of way, eventually will come to look down upon Torah and will not give it the res- and that will not even feel towards it the respect that it deserves. He might start off thinking that he's respecting it uh, in the way that it deserves, but it won't end up being that way. And then similarly it will be with the way an adulteress she eats, she wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong, so there won't be you, the person who has committed the sin will deny that there is such a thing, will deny the impact of the sin, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. Another example, the same sets of ideas, there are three things that, the, that shake the earth, the earth shudders, 
and a fourth that it cannot bear, and then we'll read them. them the, what are the three and the four? Tachat Eved Kim Loch, a servant who rules of an aval kiz balachem, and a scoundrel who sated with food. Tachat Snua Kiti Ba'el Veshivcha Kiti Reshkevirta, a loathsome woman who gets married. That's what the way it has it in the JPS, a slave girl who supplants her mistress. So what's the wrong with these four things? So the Eved, the Rambach says it's not proper that he should become a ruler because he's an Eved, he's a slave. And what he really needs to be done is disciplined and achieve. So Evid here, he thinks, is talking about the lower levels of the intellect. So what you really want for an Evid, a person who is not yet ready for independent thought and action, is they be disciplined and held in check until they get to true intellect. So that the Ramadan says, and Sheker is like a slave to truth. Meaning that there is a role for falsehood in the world. The role for falsehood in the world is that it allows us to compare it to truth. The second one is Isha Naval. So really, if you're a Naval, if you're a scoundrel, you should be poor because he's not uh, trying to help the world become a better place. He's not trying to settle the world. He's trying to get ahead for himself. So too, with Shav, with falsehoods, it's not Yishuvo Shel Olam, and therefore it should be held in check as well. Vashlishi, Snua, so that if a man hates a woman, he really shouldn't marry her. They shouldn't. So Snua, Kitina say, it's not the fact that she's Snua means she shouldn't get married. Kitivael, it's that the person who hates her shouldn't be having relations with her. Uh, and so too, the Rabag says, with Shavan Davar Kazav to the intellect, if it's falsehood or it's vanity, then the intellect doesn't really like it because it's not really the food that the intellect wants, and therefore it shouldn't have a role in it. So if the, if the intellect decides to connect itself to that, that is one of the things the earth cannot tolerate. And the fourth one is a Shivcha, a maidservant, who takes over for her mistress, and there too the rabbi says, when intellectual matters, a data kozevet, a wrong idea, should be like a shifcha, should be held in check by the proper intellect, and if it doesn't happen, that is one of the things that's terrible for the world. Puzzle of Dalit, Arbahim Ketani Eretz, Vehima Chachamim Chukamim, therefore they're the smallest things in the world, but they are really extremely wise. Puzzle Heya Nimalim Amlo Az, Vayachin Makayat Lachmam, Nimalim ants don't have any power. Right, they don't have any strength, but they manage to prepare their food in the summer. The Rambam points out that you can read this in one of two ways. But one thing that's important to notice about them is that even though they don't have any power, they manage to hold and move and hold on their backs and to move food that are way more than they weigh. So it would be the equivalent of you know a human being of 150 pounds pushing or pulling 300 pounds because they do. Twice, I think they do much more than that. But but it's remarkable in that way, uh, and therefore we could learn from them that. That a chacham should not be mishtadel b'chakira. He shouldn't try to learn ideas uh, which he couldn't generally get, uh, and then and that would be so. They can be vayachinu b'kais lachmam. They prepare their food in the summer, meaning at the time when food is plentiful and available, they figure out how to get it. So so too, the chacham should see himself as a katan, like an am. But like an ant, to find the ways to get the wisdom that he can, even if that wisdom is much more than he weighs intellectually, there are ways to do it. You just have to figure out the right way. So too, that uh, rabbits or hares, the badger, is what JPS has it as, is a folk without strength. It, it makes its home in the rock. Uh... Right, so the Rabbi says it's that you shouldn't go into too much depth unless you have the power and the strength to do it. That's also what we're getting from here. The locusts have no 
king, yet they all march forth in formation. So the Rabbah points out that they all know when the time comes to uh, to get their food and to get their to get their sustenance, and it's without any leadership. They just go and they do it. So too, the Chacham shouldn't try to study ideas except for the right time for it. So that's the wisdom of the locusts. They all figure that out on their own, acting individually as it were. They come to the same conclusion, and then simamit biyadayim to taface vihi behekle melech a spider. So JPS has it as a locust and lizard. I'm sorry, and then on the bottom it says or spider. Rabbi thinks it's a spider, and she says you can catch the lizard in your hand. It is found in royal palaces. So simamit. The Ralbach thinks it means that she makes webs with her hand, and she even makes these webs in the king's palace. And those, and what's so interesting about that is that she goes to the king's palace. He has two options for here, but she goes to the king's palace where the king's servants will eventually try to get rid of her, and and it'll cause her death. So in that possibility, it's warning us not to go into places that are too far beyond us intellectually, like we've said so many times in this chapter, or possibly that she goes into the king's palace and and get so much food there because she doesn't isn't afraid to go into places where she'll get the food. So it's that those two ideas together. Whether one, she's going for things that she should be going for and you have to do that, or the other way around, she's going for things that she shouldn't be going for, but either one of those, that's the way a chacham should be operating. There are three that are stately of stride, four that carry themselves well. So the Ralbag is going to read all of these as being ones that are so easy, they walk so well and they run so well and they're so fast that they don't approach things with a proper caution, with the message to the intellectual being, make sure not to study ideas that are beyond you because you might get wrong. So there's The lion is mightiest among the beasts and recoils before none. Ralbag points out that that sometimes leads the lion to get into a battle that he's not prepared for and then he'll get killed. So too with the Chacham, with anybody trying to study and look into Deep intellectual ideas, you can go too far, and then you might get into a battle you're not ready for. And then the greyhound, the he goat, and the king, whom none dares resist. The greyhound is so quick. The rabbi says they used to use him for hunting, uh, and, and 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 then he would just run on and always be sure that everything would be okay. Same problem, a taish as well, and a melech alkum. Kings get used to winning wars, and when they win wars, they get a lot of booty, a lot of loot, a lot of financial help, so they go on to the next war. He gives the example of Alexander the Great, who he says eventually lost. I think Alexander the Great dies of a fever. But in any case, the point being that you get so caught up in war, you'll enter a war that's not, that is beyond you and that's that not good enough for you. Another example in our time would be Hitler at Stalingrad, who was so sure he could win, and that became at least one important part of his downfall. All of this for the Ralbag, meaning to remind us that when we are going to study issues of intellect, while he said several times not to forego the intellectual, not to try to just say, well, I can't figure it out, so I shouldn't bother even trying. We have to always try in various areas that we can to be careful about what we get into and what we don't get into. You've been scandalously arrogant, is what the JPS has it. If you've been a schemer, then clap your hand to your mouth. If you've gotten sort of been a naval in trying to make yourself uh, higher, then you should clap a hand to your mouth. So the Ralbag reads it one more time as being about if you've gotten to two issues that are too high for you and you've therefore gone astray and you've therefore been too sure and you have been too sure of your ideas and of your and of your ability to figure out ideas, then what you need to do is 
you need to stop yourself. You need to clap your hand over your mouth and stop yourself from talking and from thinking. And you need to just wait until you understand things better and accept truth and accept ideas rather than going off and assuming that you'll be able to know and to figure it out right away. As milk under pressure produces butter, so a nose under pressure produces blood, and patience under pressure produces strife. So he says there, the Rabbi says, because there are things that are natural, and some of them produce good and utility, and some of them don't. So the meats of the halal, the extra milk, which is the leftover from the cheese, you get butter out of, and that's even better than the cheese and then the milk. And but for motar mitzah, then you get dumb if you work too hard at it, and therefore you're and you're hurting yourself by producing the blood. And if you have too much anger, you're gonna get uh, so mitzah If you have excess anger, you're gonna get fighting out of it, and that will cause you many problems, many flaws, many many bad uh, fights, many arguments, and you want to avoid those. So that and then the rabbag closes the commentary, so he doesn't have a commentary on Pesach Lamed Aleph, and he says, this is the end, this is what I've said in this thing. So in this chapter, and I think it's reasonably reflective of Rabbi, in general, you have a concern with understanding the world, a concern with understanding nature and cosmology and, and the whole issue of trying to figure out the world is an important, central concern for him, and we've seen in other chapters, many of his understandings of what Mishle had said focused on that whole idea of developing our intellects. It was a clearly a significant, important thing for him. So this chapter was devoted to laying out that balance that while we encourage intellectual curiosity and intellectual appetite and intellectual endeavors, the Rabbi is also very concerned and very much wants to be able to remember that you can't do it outside of your league, outside of what you're ready for. And then in trying to do so, you can do yourself great damage because you'll assume that you know, you'll assume that you understand, you'll come to conclusions that are not proper to our conclusions, and then lead to many disastrous consequences. Have a great day.